You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another Monday night, another week of AJ's analysis. It is your host, AJ Sabalski. Here today, joined by Peter DiBiase from Built in Buffalo. Uh, just ended his internship with Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot over at Syracuse.com. Has some exciting things um, in his final semester over at Providence. Uh, so if you are listening on audio, I appreciate all the uh, downloads on audio. It's been a great um, experience for me to see all the active listeners each week. I'm enjoying, um, you know, ages analysis. And then if you're here live, make sure to interact, ask questions, like the video on YouTube. That would be great. I greatly appreciate that. It helps uh, the algorithm and get that more people to, to tune in. So all 14 of you in here right now, um, wherever you're watching, head over to YouTube, check it out, like subscribe uh, that would, i would greatly appreciate it jessica how you doing today um so before we get started peter how you doing today um just you know how's, how's life going i'm doing i'm doing good just started my first day of classes for my final semester at school so that was i guess not fun but fun because i'm wrapping up school but nobody likes going to class but yeah got a new internship starting wednesday and yeah i appreciate you having me on talking some bills yeah, let's do it. Uh, Lance, how are we doing tonight? We are doing good, my friend. Uh, Lance is Peter's co-host on his show, um, Buffalo Blitz, correct, on uh, yeah. Tuesday nights? At, Tuesday on nights Buffalo? Yeah, Tuesday nights, Bill and Buffalo, 8 o'clock. Perfect. All right, let's jump into this Bills-Bears matchup. Uh, obviously, Bills, 24-21 win. The, the first-team offense, first-team defense, I think, on both sides came out and proved proved some things on – on both ends of the ball. I think the defense had a really good two drives where they went three and out uh, the, the bears. I'm still not sold on Justin Fields yet. I, I'm, I could probably have my own show about that, but I just don't, <laughs> I just don't know if he's the, the guy for Chicago. And then the, on the offensive side of the ball, I thought the bills played a really good game uh, offensively with the first team. I thought Josh Allen looked good. I tweeted it earlier in the week, one drive score a touchdown, get ready for Monday night football. That's exactly what happened. And that's what I'm happy that that's what we saw after the performance from, you know, the Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago. Peter, just just some of your overall thoughts about the game before we get into specifics. I always like asking just like the overall vibe or how you felt about the game going into it, how you feel now, you know, after it. I lost you for a second there. So Hello. Are you there? I'm there. I'm back. Okay. I was asking I you. No, That's but you're asking me my thoughts about the the yes. Bears. Uh, Bills game. Yes. So I actually I didn't watch it live. I was moving my stuff back into college in okay. my house, so I had to go back and I rewatched most of it, not all of it. It's it's preseason, so as much as I can take of it before I lose my mind. But yeah, I agree. Like you mentioned Justin Fields, and I agree. I don't know if he's going to be a, a fully competent pocket passer in his career, which is kind of hinders him. But if you don't just on the Bills side, I think the Bills' first team offense and defense. They didn't need to make a statement because it's preseason and it's not like people lose their mind a little too much. But for, I guess, the national narrative and for, I guess, Bill's fans' sanity for the next week and a half, I think they needed to be like, you know what? We're confident. We're okay. We're still a team that won 13 games last year. And look, Josh Allen, five for seven, 50 yards. 
or 49 yards. Yeah, he was good. Did his thing. Obviously, they punched in with Damian Harris. I think it was one of those games where you're like, you, McDermott wanted to see just one or two possessions where we looked normal and then we were good, and that's what we got. And I think I think people maybe take a deep breath. Like you don't see on Twitter this week. I know it's Monday only, but people are freaking out about Bills Bears game, even though there's so, still some things that are concerning. But because they won and they looked a little better, but I think it was an overall step in the right direction. But I said last week on my show, it's preseason. Like I think everyone needs to like take a deep breath and kind of just relax because stuff. In preseason, doesn't matter. I tweeted the Texans went three and zero last year, and the Texans were terrible. So it, I, it was a good step in the right direction. They did some good things. Like Darrington Evans' run was incredible, but that might be a guy that might not be on the roster by tomorrow. So like you get those positives, but it might not even matter at all. That's why I don't take much stock in the preseason. Or even Ty Johnson's probably not going to be on the roster. You have that type of thing. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was overall a good game, and I'm yeah. Not, nothing too much you can complain about. Yeah, I want to start with, I think, Gabe Davis. Um, if you want to critique a little bit about him, he he started the game a little rough, I think, on that second kind of drop or pass breakup where he had. Mm-hmm. I thought he could have came back to the ball and a lot of the, like, you know, broke away from the defender, went back to the ball and kind of hauled it in. And then on the first, it was like an RPO. Um, Josh tried to fit it in. I think it was a good throw. Kind of similar to that one that Allen threaded the digs where Diggs caught it, um, and he thought he could – maybe take it the distance, but got tripped up and you could see his frustration probably means he wants to leave Buffalo. But anyway, um, yeah, Gabe, a couple of tough drops. I th- I would say more of the first one than the second one. Uh, I think the second one was a really good play up by the defender, but I want to hear your thoughts. How confident are you in Gabe Davis going into the season from what you've seen? I know like training camp. Um, I, I know I went to five of the practices and he's, looked really good. He's looked really dominant. They find him up all over the place. And then in the preseason as well, I thought he showed some signs, especially in that second game. Obviously, the, the throw that Josh had a game on the sideline that got called back from the Spencer Brown holding penalty. Just, just your thoughts on Gabe Davis going into year two. What do you expect from him? And uh, is he a guy that can be kind of that one-two punch that most teams that are elite have? I have huge expectations for Gabe Davis. I think he's going to have – I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's one of those guys where last year he came in with a ton of expectations coming off that four-touchdown performance against the Chiefs in the divisional round. And I don't think he was ever the same after that injury. And I don't think it's an excuse that someone should be hindered throughout the whole year because of an ankle injury that happened in the first quarter of the season. But it definitely did affect him. And I... I think he can be that one-two punch. I think he will be. And I what I've seen differently than what we saw last year, especially in camp and then into the regular season, from this year to last year, is that they're using him more. Like you mentioned, they're using him in different spots. You see a little more slant routes, short passes. He isn't just that go-route guy, which I think kind of hinders him. And I think if you can use Gabe Davis in more facets of the game, then you become a better offense. And I think it puts a little less pressure on Gabe Davis that he doesn't always have to make the big play. He can make the 12-yard catch for the first down and move the chains like a Stephon Diggs. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of a, a consistent Gabe Davis. I don't know if we're going to see like those games where you see the Pittsburgh game. It was like four for 120 or whatever it was, 130. It was probably a little more than that. I don't have it off the top like, of my head. I think it was like 180. I think it was like, yeah, it was something like that. I was at that game. I should, I should know that. Uh, obviously, it was mainly obviously those two massive uh, catches. And you still want those. But you also want him to be more consistent and just 
that every down receiver, not just that deep there. But I think he's going to be great this year. I think he's going to have a really good year. And I'm telling people, like in fantasy, I think Gabe Davis is that type of flex option. And a lot of guys, a lot of teams in fantasy, like you can get him on the bench. Like he's like that's a great bench receiver to have in NFL because he's better than a bench receiver in fantasy. So I think he's going to have a great year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jessica with a great question. Will Matt Prino's hair move in a hurricane? Uh, I, I no. don't I don't think so. No. I, I think I think we no. both would know quite well. I, I don't think it's moving in a hurricane. No, I think he's was it this year or, or oh no, when we did when the shout he had the shout episode um back in I think it was June, the one you were at with me. He showed up and it was pouring. And like <laughs> and you knew I knew I was like, oh his hair's gonna get messed up. It was perfectly fine, it was all that stuff. I don't think his hair moves. Him, him, and T- him and Ryan are totally two different opposites when it comes to hair. It's kind of funny. I yeah, love it. Absolutely. Uh, Christopher in the comments, I think he can have a great year, especially if Kincaid has a, a good year and Diggs does Diggs. Yeah, it was funny. The interview at halftime or during, throughout the game and the Bears game, uh, Cynthia Freeland asked Gabe, what's your favorite route to run? And Gabe like, kind of thought, and I'm like, Gabe, if you don't say post right now, like if you don't say post route right now, you're lying. And he's like, I think I'm really good at the post route. Uh, and, and Diggs is kind of like the hitch guy. He can beat you anywhere, anywhere from like one to 10 yards, but he can also stretch you out. So that's kind of the dynamic. I think Gabe is best when he's running those, you know, deeper routes. But I also think it will, it, it won't become like a consistent thing. Um, but I think he will be able to be moved around more and get open and move the chains. Like you said, Peter, I think he's a guy that can do that. I just don't know if he's been able to do that. I think the, the appearance of a slot receiver will really help if they can get that slot presence, that consistent slot presence uh, in the middle. Can I hear my – no, I cannot, Peter. Um, I'm making sure. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, let's move along here. I'm going through my first half kind of takeaways from the game, um, just kind of what I saw. Another player that's kind of surprised me, a guy that I think is a lock to make this roster at this point, is Quentin Morris. He had a great grab over the middle. Um, He, he has some deficiencies in blocking and – a couple of people at cover one, they, they've mentioned to me that he is a redundancy kind of to Kincaid where not the best blocker, but he has good wide receiver abilities, but you want your third, you know, tight end to be a blocker or, or a pass catcher. I think with the, the release of Jay Sternberger um, on, I think yesterday that kind of clarifies what they're going to do. I think Morris is their third tight end. Anything, any thoughts on Morris? I, I know he's kind of that third tight end and he, he's kind of a guy that's been buried in the depth chart, but I still think he can, you know, maybe get a jersey if he can make play a special teams role. Maybe just your thought on Quentin Morris and just the overall tight end room as a whole going into the season. Yeah, I think Quentin Morris, I think we saw flashes last year, a couple touchdowns in a couple games where he is a talented player. I just the problem with him, like you said, the blocking isn't there. And it's kind of hard for him to get any snaps like with Dawson Knox and Donkey Gate. There's really no avenue for him. So there there is a chance he's one of those makes the 53 man roster and then on game day, one of the healthy inactives which is totally fine because injuries happen you never know we could use him and if he is your second tight end for a week or if Knox misses a game if Cade misses a game I think that is okay I think he's a very good third tight end so I do think if you cut him he's probably not coming back 
Like if he, I think if you cut him, he's not making it onto the practice squad. I just think there's too many teams that would probably, unless he's just not a household name enough, and maybe we just think he's bigger than he is, and that sometimes happens with your own players. But I think he's shown flashes enough in games where I think we could be tough to get him back on the practice squad. I think he's, I think he's good. I think the tight end room is one of the best tight end rooms in football. Obviously, you have like Travis Kelsey. He makes that tight end room the best tight end room in football. But when you talk about from your number one tight end to your number two tight end, the Bills have one of the best. So I love the tight end room. I love what they're going to do with Knox and Kincaid. I'm excited to see it in a real game week one against the Jets. But if you're just thinking of Quentin Morris, he's a guy I think you kind of have to have on the roster because I do think if an injury happens, he's more than capable of filling in uh, – for either Knox or Kincaid. And we saw like what a Tommy Sweeney has done in the past and just hasn't been what's the level like I think Quentin Morris can do. Minus I think I think the blocking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh I think he he brings an element that may may be used, but I think he might there's there's kind of a good chance he's a healthy scratch on those game days just because yeah. of the, the dominant one two punch that I think the Bills could possibly have with Kincaid and Knox. I got I see I a lot a, of go ahead. I got a question for you, Wake. Let's say God forbid Knox misses a game or two, right? And you have to roll out Quentin Morris and Don Kate. That's an interesting blocking duo to tennis. So that's what what are your thoughts on that? Like yeah, that's and that's the issue. And that's kind of, there's no right. blocking yet. Right. And that's the and that's the issue. That's kind of what a couple of people like everyone told me. Yeah. Um, they're not the biggest fans of Morris just because of that redundancy. So if they do have that, I mean Look, there's going to be some swing tackles on the market here in a, in a couple of days. I know a, a plethora have already been released. A couple have been traded. Um, I know Bobby Hart's a guy. I don't think they'll bring him back. But, he, you know, there's names like that out there that have that mm-hmm. ability to be that swing tackle for them. But it's interesting. I'm not too worried about it. I think Kincaid and Morris do things in the receiving game that are good. I think Morris has shown, like like last, last uh, on the, in the Bears game, he had a couple of nice blocks. It's not like he gets blown up every play. You know, he's mm-hmm. not like some total scrub that, is legit only a receiver. Like he, he is a tight end for a reason. I think he can do things. Jessica makes a good point. And Gilliam is their fourth tight end. I think he can be again. He's a guy oh, that can yeah. line up. He can line up in line on the on, on the end on the edge and, and make some nice blocks. Yeah, so I think I forgot about that. Right. So that that's also something they can add. Uh, but I want to get to uh, Christian Kirksey real quick. I, I see a couple of comments about that. He was released by the Texans today. Obviously, I'm um, 30 years old. Might have lost a step. Um, I thought last year I had a really good season. Three sacks, um, a really good uh, you know, or a hundred tackles. Uh, I think he's a, a guy that maybe he might again he might be a little redundant to Milano, but just to bring in a guy with the ability to maybe help in in, in the middle in the linebacker room, maybe play a little bit of Mike linebacker, maybe be a rotational piece throughout the season. I think there is an option for that, and I think middle linebacker. It's not my biggest concern, but one of my major concerns uh, going into the year. So, your thoughts, Peter? Do, do they go after one of these like? A uh, Christian Kirksey, I know uh, Tay, Trey Turner from the the Cal, or the Chargers, excuse me, got released today. Do they go after like a couple guys like that, um, and maybe add someone to this linebacker room? You would think they would. I don't fully know. Like you have like, obviously the injury to Bale Inspector, so that puts in the depth. How much do they really want to trust AJ Klein to come out and have to play if need be? I don't, and I don't want that. And obviously. The Terrell Dodson's play on the field hasn't been spectacular. You do have Terrell Bernard, who I think probably is that middle linebacker one, which is a crazy, a crazy spot we are at right now. Which and if he pops, then all power to him. And if he's really good, then we got our middle linebacker for another four or five years. 
at, at a certain size that the Bills kind of targeted this offseason or kind of went away from with the Tremaine Edmonds, uh, not bringing back Tremaine Edmonds. But I'm still shocked they never brought that. I'm still shocked. I talked about this last week with Lance that uh, Terrell Dodson was your veteran middle linebacker. That's it was kind of shocking. And I, I guess AJ Klein is, but I, I don't know. I'm not going to put AJ Klein in the veteran middle linebacker that you want to trust. He's a guy, if you lose three middle linebackers, then he might be your guy. I look, should they kick the tires on this? A hundred percent. Like, it's does he have any juice left in him? I don't know, but he had 86 solo tackles last year. He had two interceptions last year. Like, his PFF grade was, it was, eh, it was like a 56. Yeah, his, pass rush, his pass rush grade was 78. Are you telling me you can't have a middle linebacker by committee with Kirksey and how do you say his last name? Christian Kirksey? Christian Kirksey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, him and Terrell Bernard, you can't have a little kind of mix and match there. And I, I don't know how ideal it is, but if you have like the veterans you have with Milano, Hyde, and Porter, I think you're okay with that. It's not, we don't have a bunch of young guys in the secondary. Why not give it a little bit of a, a year, one year deal? Obviously, it'd be one and see what he got. If he has nothing left in the tank, it's not going to cost you anything. He's not breaking the bank. He just got cut by the Houston Texans. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I want if it's Kirksey or not. I think there's options that are going to be out there with all these. You know, if you guys, if people in here don't know, they're doing one cut down day instead of like three separate ones. Usually, they cut down to like 80, then 70, and then they go down to like 53. Maybe a little different, but there's there was three cut down days. Now they just do they're doing it all at once. The Bills mm-hmm. said they wanted to do it in waves. I was kind of surprised. Like today, at this moment, I don't think any Bills have been cut today. Um, I know there was a little wave yesterday. No. But, yeah, I don't think there's anyone better released today. I know Jay Sternberger, um, Aitman, who had a, a flash there, was another guy released by the Bills um, in the receiver room. So, yeah, they've they've made some cuts. Um, and, Roy, w- w- let's stick with this middle linebacker discussion because we're here, um, and then we can get kind of back to the game and a couple more of my thoughts. Roy Collins with a great question. Would you cut Dotson and or Klein if they sign a vet linebacker? I'll start with this one, and then you can you know maybe add on to it or maybe – take it a wholly different direction, Peter. Who knows? Maybe you're like, I love AJ Klein or something. But I did not have AJ Klein making my 53-man roster um, originally. This was back before they had the possibility of adding someone. I thought they would go Spectre, Matikevich, um, Dodson, Bernard, uh, and then there was a couple. Uh, I'm blanking on a couple more. But I did not think AJ Klein was making this roster. And I'm, I'm still kind of of that belief. I know he's been getting some reps more and more kind of with the first team, but I just don't believe that AJ Klein is good, but I, I don't know. It's hard because it's kind of, it's like two bad candidates. Who's worse, Dodson or Klein. It's kind of like the, you don't really have like a good option. So I would not be surprised if I would be surprised if Dodson was caught just because of, like you said, Peter, oh, he yeah. has the, the pre, the veteran presence. He's been here, even though it's only been like four years, he's undrafted. He's been in the system. Uh, he's been, he's, they re-signed him this year. I'd be surprised if they were to like, Oh, Dodson, but Klein, not so much. I didn't have him making the roster. Um, so if you want to add to that, go ahead. I would be so shocked if they cut Tyrell Dodson. Like, I love how that was like a thing like a week ago. Like, Oh, we're cutting like who we let, we're going into the season with Bernard Specter and Klein. I guess you add a veteran, but at that point they had it. Like you're cutting, you're cutting Klein if you're going to cut someone. The problem is right now you have the Specter injury, and it's not like a problem who's starting because I don't think Specter was ever going to start. But you have a depth issue right there where you can still bring in Christian Kirksey. Let's say that's the guy. Then you have Bernard Dodson. Are they keeping five middle linebackers? Five? How many linebackers are we? Keeping? Well, they'll keep Milano, Bernard. Bernard. Dodson, Medikavich for special teams. Four, that's four. Spectre. 
That's five. And then if they want, if they go the climb route, you could you could go climb. Sure, I think you. I think right now you probably put Spectre on the the short term IR. The IR. Okay. So he misses the first because they say he's gonna be out a couple weeks, right? Like week to week, week to week. I'm probably just get him on the he misses the first four games. It's not really that big of a deal. You climb and then bring in a veteran linebacker, and then once Spectre comes back, you get rid of Klein. I I don't I don't think Klein is like a veteran. We're player. missing one. Thank you, Dad. Dorian Williams. What oh. the heck? I forgot about Dorian Williams. That's well, you know what? He was out against the Bears. I thought he had a really good preseason, just to touch on that. And I if we really yeah. if we really want to get into this conversation, I really do think there's a a, a plan or maybe a, a a path for Dorian Williams to say, and I, I tweeted this out. I, I'm not I'm worried right now about the middle linebacker position. They don't have kind of a feasible option there. I don't think there's a true starting middle linebacker currently right now on this roster as of Monday night. That could change tomorrow if they add someone or if they if they find a guy. I don't know if that may be a true middle linebacker starter, but Dorian Williams, I think there is a path for that guy to be the starter in late November, early December. I think he has the range. He has the speed. His processing needs to get a little bit better. I think he needs to learn some more things in in NFL defense. I think at Tulane, it was kind of a limited uh, defensive scheme where you're not learning as much. You're not learning the language that the Bills are using. You're you're being taught to play the position differently. I think there's a real chance Dorian Williams is – in the in the plans as middle linebacker, I know they went back, back and forth with it. He's worked at weak side, but I really do think there's maybe a path for the Bills to get Dorian Williams on the field at middle linebacker by the end of the year, not now. When he was drafted, I was like, this guy's going to be a starting middle linebacker for us because he played 70% of his snaps at Tulane at the inside linebacker position. It's 100% a little bit of a different scheme than he was playing, like you said, at Tulane than he is playing with the Bills. But he has, I think he has all the tangibles to be that guy. I'm a little annoyed that they didn't give him a full like shot at it. They kind of did. They kind of didn't. They really didn't. So that was kind of annoying. It's a little too late right now. But they could have added a veteran linebacker back in April, March, or during free agency, and they didn't. And they had the they have the they didn't have the money to add a guy for 15 million, but then they had the money to add a guy for five to six million. And they kind of chose not to. So unless they really believe in Terrell Bernard, and if they do and they're right, then we're okay. And then week one against the Jets, we're not talking about this. But it still gives me a little uneasiness that there's a chance Terrell Bernard's starting with no true veteran option behind him. And I was like, they it still shocked me that they went into the season, offseason, or into going into preseason and then potentially the season at this point with Terrell Dotson being your veteran guy, along with A.J. Klein. So – it's Terrell Bernard's job if he plays and he's kind of doesn't have to be a superstar, but if he kind of uh, sparks a little, the Bills are okay. But I don't know. I, I do think Dorian Williams has a future at middle linebacker. I just wish they kind of gave him a little bit more of a, a reps in the summer because it would be a little easier if they went to that transition week six of the season. Right. I agree. Um, I'm just going through right now. So th- these are the middle, li- middle linebackers signed in the offseason. Okay. Um, just kind of. I know Eric Hendricks, 13 million. That's out of the price range. But these are the guys that Bill's the veteran that Peter's talking about. Bobby Wagner, one year six or five and a half, sorry. Levante David, one year four and a half million. Mm -hmm. Devin Bush, one year three and a half million. Denzel Perriman, one year 2.6. Corey Littleton, 2.4. These are all one year contracts. Ezekiel Turner, one year. Zach Cunningham, one year. Miles Jack, who just retired. Um, so they there were options, Peter, at the middle linebacker position if they wanted to go that route. They did. And and, and that's something that maybe 
will be discussing it the halfway point of the season if they can't figure it out and it's costing them games or they're not the same defense and they're not mm-hmm. they're struggling a bit more. But the right tackle conversation, I, I've kind of looked at the free agents for that. I don't really know if there was like a play there, like with the cap situation well, and stuff like that. Well, the tackle situation, there's not enough good offensive linemen in the NFL. Like there's like a shortage. There's a, like, there's, a, there's a shortage of offensive linemen. It's always been like that. Teams aren't releasing good starting caliber tackles. Like they're not just like, you know what? We don't really need an average starting tackle. No, you kind of do because not every team has enough. The tackle situation is kind of sketchy. It's kind of scary. It's a, the right tackle position is a little scary. It's it's a much different than like the injury with Connor McGovern at the left guard position because even even if like McGovern misses week one or week two, Bates is more than capable of playing the left guard position. And, and I think David Edwards was pretty good this camp. So the Bills are great at the guard position. That tackle position, like are we rolling out David Questenberry and Ryan Vandermark, who had a great summer, but we're talking about an undrafted guy. It's 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 a scary situation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I'm going to mention a guy uh, today. Cam Marino, a, a, a Packers reporter, tweeted, Packers tackle Yosh Nijman is a name to watch in the trade block per source. So I did a little bit of research on him. He's 27 years old, 6'7". Uh, the Packers have great tackle depth. Uh, I think they're they're set, so I think he's a guy that could be released or traded. Nijman had 48 pass blocking snaps in the preseason, allowed zero pressures, uh, according to PFF. And he's played in 50 games in his career, started in 21, and he's came into the league in 2019 uh, as a UDFA. Uh, that's maybe a guy, hey, like, look, let's swing a trade for him or let's go sign him. That's another option that can be added to the mix. So he went to Virginia Tech, so I'm a huge Virginia Tech football fan. So I remember having Virginia Tech, and he was just a specimen of a man. It just in college, like he probably didn't have the right development because he was so big and wasn't kind of like in his body, if that makes any sense. If you look at it, if we're going up PFF, and you can hate PFF, you can love PFF. I don't care. I'm not the biggest PFF guy, but I'm one of those people like I'll give you it and I'll tell you the context. His pass blocking grade seventy four point four from last year. He's better than Spencer Brown, or what Spencer Brown has been in the NFL. It's an upgrade. If you trade for him. So it's one of those guys where you do send a go pick. You send a pick. You do you do something like that where you probably you can get him for a day three pick. How many six round picks do we have next year? Like how many picks do we need? Go get a guy that can play right tackle. He's played at the left tackle. He's had 200 career um, snaps at left tackle left tackle and 555 at right tackle. So you have like that versatility with an injury to Dawkins if that happens. These are one of those guys where like you go ship off a fifth. A guy that could maybe potentially be your future right tackle or a guy that can help you win a Super Bowl because he can anchor that right side of the line. Yeah, it's hard for me because I'm not ready to give up on Spencer Brown. I don't think he's had that bad of I don't think he's had that bad of a training camp. And I'm not saying you are Peter, but I, just for myself. No, no, I know. Yeah, he, he's not a guy for me that has struggled so badly that I'm like, oh my gosh. Now it is my biggest concern just because of the lack of depth. I think my his back injury the Spencer Brown back injury is kind of more concerning to me at six, seven, 
you ha- you've had those back issues. You had that one day at camp where I thought, you know, some I forgot who tweeted it. Maybe it was Joe Marino, but he mentioned that Spencer Brown um, yeah, was Marino. Couldn't, even, couldn't even stand up with his helmet and stuff like that. He ended up being fine and played in the blue and red scrimmage. But there is a concern for me on the injury front on the tackle position. The left side, I think, is fine. I think Dawkins is a pro's pro. I think he's he's not amazing. I don't think he's elite. I think he's an above, above average offensive tackle in the league. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with him. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Spencer Brown, do they get depth? I think they're definitely looking. I think it's a, a name that they go after. Anybody but Questenberry, uh, Roy Collins says. But uh, I want to get back to this before we get too deep into the roster stuff because there are some more things to talk about with that. I think there's some sneaky guys that can get on and so, some stuff we can talk about there. I wanted to go back to this Bills-Bears game really quick. Just a couple more guys in your thoughts on them, Peter. I think this was the most we've seen from Deontay Hardy. All preseason, uh, in terms of his his usage, his production, I thought he did a, had a really good game out of the slot. I thought they used him in the short passing game quite well. I think he had some good separation. I I, I liked what I've seen. I, I liked what I've seen from him, and I liked what I saw on Saturday. So he's a guy that, again, will he be the wide receiver three? I think Cleo Shakir has put himself down the depth chart. I know he's dealing with an injury right now, but just the inconsistencies. He'll wow you one play, and then the next play, you're kind of like, what's going on here? Um, with him so he's just been too inconsistent and, and he's kind of been like that since college so that's something that may be carrying over to the NFL and then you have a Trent Sheriff who I think again is consistent but I think he offers more of that position versatility he's able to block on the boundary in the slot so so Peter your your, your take on kind of the slot position and your take on the wide receiver three spot how do you feel those three guys I mentioned um, are doing this year or this offseason sorry I think the wide receiver three spot is a revolving door between two people. I think it's a the Deontay Hardy show and the Trent Sherfield show. I'm not going to put Khalil Shakir in that because I don't think he's earned the, I don't think he's earned the right to be. And I, I was a huge Khalil Shakir guy when they drafted him. I was like, this guy's a steal. He should have been a day two pick. And he fell into day three. But he hasn't proven. Now he's obviously dealing with an injury, but he hasn't proven to be consistent enough. Like you said, AJ, I like what they have in Hardy and Sherfield because they both offered – totally different things. I told him that would be the right word, but they offer different things. Like Deontay Hardy is more of that gadget guy. And I hate using the word gadget guy because he always goes back to Isaiah McKenzie, who I thought I liked Isaiah McKenzie, but he never lived up to like the status that I think we, I think Bill's fans kind of put on him and maybe the team put on him. And maybe that's just not who he is and who he was. And that's not fair to him. But I think Deontay Hardy is a much better version of what Isaiah McKenzie was for the Bills. And I think they're going to use him in different ways. You can obviously put him in the slot. You can put him in the backfield. You do end around screen passes. Use his speed to your ability. I do like Trent Sherfield on the outside. I think he gives you that kind of difference maker on the outside. And you also mentioned slot receiver. I think we got to throw in Dalton Kincaid because they're going to use two tight end sets. I don't know if that's a true slot receiver, but there's a chance where there's formations of Kincaid with Knox, and then you have Davis and Diggs. I guess Kincaid's the slot receiver if you're playing that game. He really isn't, but he factors in. They have a lot of a lot more versatility than they did last year. There's a lot of guys that can do different things. I think Hardy and Sherfield are going to have good – they're each going to switch off in those type of games. Like one guy's going to have a great game. Like they're both not going to have outstanding games each game unless the Bills are going for 500 yards. It's just, it's just not how the NFL works. But they both offer different things, and I think that's great. But I do think Shakir is probably that – he's probably a step behind. I don't think he's going to get cut. They're not going to cut him. It's his second year. He's like, you're not going to cut a guy that was drafted. It's second. Sorry, they're not going to draft a guy that what is in the second year of his rookie contract. That and they vested a fourth round pick on him. They're not doing that. 
Yeah, Khalil Shakir ain't going anywhere. I think he's a no. lock. Um, John Robert yeah. makes a good point. Maybe he does end up on the IR uh, because of a, in, his injured ribs. Excuse me. I think that might be an option for Shakir and the Bills, maybe to sneak someone on the roster. But um, other than that, I mean, I think we can kind of – I think all these kind of next talking points I want to get into kind of coincide with kind of the roster cut down. So I want to start with the craziest probably thing that I I would be talking about right now and something that – it's kind of time to admit that I think Christian Benford might be the best cornerback opposite Trey White we've won. And hear me out here. I don't know if, if that's true. I don't know if Dane Jackson is going to be like that consistent guy that stays so consistent when he gets his opportunities throughout the year that he's able to get the, the CB2 job back. Cause I think he has, like I said, I, I think throughout the whole preseason and training camp, I think he has been the more consistent guy and the guy getting the most reps with the first team. But, man, Christian Benford, again, making a late push. Right when practice starts getting close to the public, the ne- next thing you know, he's out with the ones on the pre- in the preseason game. Like, wow, like that is just astonishing. I thought he was – again, I thought he was the third cornerback on the depth chart. Basically, most of the preseason – or, you know, training camp when I was there, he was the guy getting the second and third team reps. He was not getting any with the first team. It was all Kyrie Elam and Dane Jackson. So, man, and then he goes out there on the Bills – and the Bills and Bears game and has that great rep with great coverage. I mean, if you want to like, if you're teaching a kid how to play cornerback, like eight years old and you're like, Hey, this is how you do it. Show this, that clip of Christian Bedford, you know, got his head turned around, very physical at the point of attack, stay with him the whole way, hip, hip on hip, turned, batted the ball down, great pass breakup on third down, got him off the field. I mean, dude, Christian Benford again, sixth round pick. And I know, I mean, I, I put it out the tweet and I've had 80, thousand replies about how Kyrie Elam, it actually shows that Kyrie Elam's the bust and that and that and all this stuff about Kyrie Elam. I get it. Um, but Peter, just get your, give me your thoughts on the CB2 battle and just is Christian Bedford the guy? With the CB2 battle, I want to put it out here. I don't think anybody's getting moved. I don't want to see like that on Twitter right now is the Kyrie. They're not trading Kyrie Elam for, one cent on the dollar or whatever it would be because it's just his value is not where it was when they drafted in the first round. The CB2 battle, it's one of the craziest battles I think we've seen in recent memory that I can like obviously remember at the moment. Him coming out with the ones could mean a couple of different things. Some people said, are they showcasing him the first trade? I don't think that's an option. Or do they know what they have in Dane Jackson? And do they want to see more of Christian Bedford? Yes. That can be correct. And Christian Bedford can still also win the job. They still know what they have in Dane Jackson, but they want to see more in Christian Bedford. I don't know. If, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm going to get bit by this. right? I feel like you and I are both going to get bit by this. And, or a lot of people are because everyone's – saying Christian Bedford's CB2 at this point. And if he is and he pops, it's a great pick by Brandon Bean. It's a sixth-round pick that turns into a starting caliber corner. And what is up with Bills and late-round corners or undrafted corners, Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, and Christian Bedford? We just should just stop taking corners early and take them all in the seventh round. But, like, I don't think this means Kyrie Elam's a bust. There's something institutionally wrong with how they're – developing higher Elam. This is a kind of what I went on a hunch. This guy went from a man system to a completely different system in the NFL. And they have not shown him 
I guess, the ropes. The, pro- the one thing that annoys me about Caillou Elam, he has one, I think he's way more talented than Christian Benford, and two, he makes more flashy plays. He makes those bigger plays, and I think he was pretty good in coverage last year when he played, but there's just some times where he's grabbing or he looks lost, there's another play, and you cannot have that with the expectations for this team, with the caliber defense this team has. And for some reason, the sixth-round kid from Villanova, an FCS school, not even an FBS, talking about Kyrie Ulam, a four- or five-star recruit from Florida, versus Christian Bedford, who was recruited by nobody to go play FCS football Villanova. It's a crazy, it's a crazy alternative like world we're living right now. But I'm, I'm buying the smoke, the hype, the everything. But I, I have a bad feeling we're going to – not a bad feeling – there's a good chance we see Dave Jackson week one rolling out with uh, Trey White, but it might not mean anything. It might be it might be CB two by committee, and that's totally okay. I, you don't have to have if whoever's playing at the time is playing well. Who cares if they're rotating guys? And if like you know what Christian Benford, Dane Jackson starts, he struggles his first series. Christian Benford comes on and plays great. Yeah, it's great. Or they go Kyrie, he plays great. In more, it, it matters what you do in the regular season, obviously, but. Try to bet. Is it? I don't. I don't know if I want to say. Is it Benford rolling, walking out there with the ones on Monday Night Football? It might be. It's much. We're much closer to that than we were a couple weeks ago when Christian Bedford was nowhere near in this competition anymore. Yeah, I'll say this: the depth at CB two is the best it's ever been. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great problem to have. I, I go along with Vinny T here in the comments. The more quality DBs you can have, the better. The Elon problem is a luxury. One hundred percent agree. Um, for all twenty four of you in here, uh, thank you for tuning in. It's been a great show so far. We've got a bit more to get to. Please like, subscribe, share. I mean, I greatly appreciate that. But get into the Kyrie Elam kind of conversation. I don't think he's a bust yet, and, and I've kind of like. I'm like, okay, what would make Kyer Ilomaba? Like in my mind, I'm like, what what kind of would do that? Right. First off, he's 22 years old. He's only 22 years old. So that's like the first thing. He has two more years on a rookie contract. They have the fifth year option. He's going to be 25 when that comes. There's still a lot of time to develop. Two, Dane Jackson is on a one year deal. Next year, he's probably not going to be back, especially if he balls out. They're not going to be able to afford a Dane Jackson to come back on that roster. So now you're looking at Elon and Benford there, unless they add someone in free agency. So you have that kind of going for Elon. I think he can be able to to kind of rejuvenate or at least kind of develop his game the next couple of years here, maybe with Dane Jackson out of the picture and see what he can do. I don't think Kyrie Elam's a boss until this either. Doesn't meet the fifty-three man roster, which that's not happening. Like he's he's. I think he's still a lock. I think they like McDermott said it's an open battle still at the CB two, which he said all off season. So like, there's that. Like if if he if he doesn't make a fifty-three man roster with the Bills, he's a bust. Like that's that's bust material. Or if he, you know, goes to another team and can't figure it out, or is a practice squad guy, or you know, he he finishes his career with the Bills. If next year's his last year, something like that. Until that, I think there is still a chance for Elon to get better. I'm rooting for the kid because I think he does have the confidence. Like, Peter, when he was on your show, like, he exudes confidence, and it's a good thing. Like, I think it's a good thing. But I also think, like, maybe he's maybe overthinking too many things or maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself to do the right thing and then that's causing him to do the wrong thing. There's a couple of things with Elon, like his tackling, like Dane Jackson and Christian Benford, way better tacklers than Kyrie like as of right now now I'm not saying that it can change or that's something that Kyrie is just always going to be bad at mm-hmm. but there is like he's not a bust yet he, he needs a couple more years I think to develop and see what they can bring and I, I still think he can be a contributor to the team this year 
But I think there's a red flag on being like, hey, like, did Brandon Bean? I think you can ask the question. Like, you can pose the question. Did Brandon Bean? Should, should have Brandon Bean have drafted Kyrie in the first round and traded up for him? I think that's kind of like, should they have? Like, that? that's the question you have to ask yourself right now. You know what's frustrating about Elam in this situation? One, and he was on my show, and he was a great guy. So I'm always super careful of what I say about it because that's not how it should be. But the guy took time out of his day to come on my show, which is crazy as an NFL player. So I'm, I obviously <laughs> don't want to be that guy and not criticize him for doing something bad. We also want to be respectful because he's also a human being at the end of the day. There is something like he is way more. I said it before. He's it's not like the talent isn't there. The talent is there. We have seen flashes where he looks like a lockdown corner. It just there's something missing there. Is it like you said, overthinking? Is he playing too aggressive? We've seen him play too aggressive, too handsy at times. Where he doesn't need to be. Should we like, should we have traded up? Probably not. Like it's not looking great for that move at the moment. Do we like AJ? Do we forget this move? If Christian Benford turns into like not saying like a star, but like a top ten, like a top five, top ten CB two, where you're like Aaron Johnson level of like, like he's really good, and we have to pay him eventually, not like to be like a CB one, but he's very good at CB two, and you're just like in your mind, let's play flip the switch that they were drafted in different spots, <laughs> just do that and see what happens there. It's not the best uh, situation. But if like Benford pops and like looks like a star and turns into one or turns into a really good player, you're gonna forget about Kyrie really fast. And it's sad, but it's the truth of where the NFL is. I don't know. Like he has so much potential, Kyrie. Like it's it's crazy. And you see the talent. There's something missing that when the Bills drafted him from the higher ups, like the general manager, assistant GM, the scouting department to the coaching staff. There's something missing there. Maybe there isn't, maybe it's the player. But I feel like there's something missing there. They're just not using him right, or they're not coaching him in the right way. Because you traded up for a guy that never really played in the zone scheme. And Brandon B knows what scheme Sean McDermott runs. This isn't like brand new stuff. They've been doing this for multiple, multiple years. And then they went with a guy that doesn't fit that scheme. It's It was an interesting pick at the time, but you're like, ah, it's going to work. Because Brandon Bean has a... Pretty good track record of drafting, even though some people want to disagree with me. But I don't know. There's something not right there in the relationship with either Kyrie and the coaching or coaching and the organization just on the Kyrie side of it. Yeah, and it's also, I think, a combination of himself, too. Like, I think it's all – I think it's a lot of factors. Like, it's definitely, I think, himself and how he's playing. And then, obviously, I think the coaching staff and their development with him or with John Butler and how he feels about the player and stuff like that. But let's move on to the offensive line. I think we really did a good job discussing the CB2 battle, kind of where we're at. Again, I think it's too soon to call Elam a bust. And if Benford turns out to be, you know, a top 10 cornerback too, you're not really talking much about. And Trey White's getting older. So, like, there does need to be that developmental guy. Like, who knows, man? Like, Trey White coming off an ACL injury, I know he's bound to have a great comeback year, and he's the guy that – most Bills fans, he's one of the fan favorites in terms of Bills players because he was like the first McDermott draft pick and he's been here for a while and he's been an all pro corner. But like he's getting older and Elam and Benford are kind of the two waiting in the wing. Is there something there that maybe one of them can break apart and become the CB1 in a couple of years when, when Trey White's done? I know that's really in the future, but it's just too soon right now. We don't know anything. And let's just be grateful that they have the depth at that CB2 position to not have to really worry about it too much uh, moving forward. So let's go offensive line, Peter. Um, 
do you have like a, a group of guys that you think are going to make the roster? Do you have like a nine or 10 guys that you can, you, that are going to make it? Um, Cause if not, before you get started, I will go ahead with my nine or 10. Obviously Dawkins, McGovern, Morris, Bates, Brown. If McGovern's not in the IR with that uh, injury, those are the five. And then I think you have Bates. Sorry, I already mentioned Bates. I think you have Torrance, who's a starting right guard. So you have Bates, you know, as the kind of backup center, backup, whatever you want him to be, because he ha- brings that versatility. I have now this is where it gets trouble because I think David Edwards is a lock. I mean, he's that he's that guard depth. So there, there's seven. So you have seven mm-hmm. right there. You're probably gonna keep nine or ten. I think Alec Anderson. Now, this might be crazy, but I think Alec Anderson, he, they played him at right tackle. He had that bad rep where he loved the strip sack with Kyle Allen, but Kyle Allen was in the pocket for a while for one, and his PFF grade, I think you treated it out. I think it was like top five like on, on the offense. Yeah, I can go back to the tweet, but I think it was – It was like 80, low 80s, low 80s or something. Third like in the whole team offensively. Uh, let me pull it up right now. But, no, I think uh, it was third on the Bills offense at 81.7, just behind Quentin Morris, great game, and then Josh Allen. Right. So there you go. Like, I think he, and he played center, he's played guard and he's played tackle. So like, I think that's a very valuable, again, depth guy. I think he plays a nasty game. Um, I know a couple people that know him personally. They, they, he brings the nasty, like he's one of those guys that takes care of guys like no problem. I think he has that. So there's eight. So if, if you, if Alec Anderson, so you got Ike Bogger, Nick Broker, Richard Garage, Greg Mance, David Questenberry, and Ryan Vandermark for two spots or maybe one. I'm going to go with Vandermark and Garage. That that's just my first kind of guess at this. I think because obviously Tommy Doyle, terrible, awful injury. Hope he gets better. But those are my ten. How do you feel about it? Did I miss? Did I miss you? Repeat the ten again because I feel like I okay. So something. the the first the first five. So Torrance, yeah. Brown, Morris, all those guys, McGovern and Dawkins. Then yeah. I go Edwards and Bates. Edwards and Bates, yep, that's seven. Alec Anderson, eight. Garage and Vandermark, nine and ten. That's if they keep time. That's if oh, they keep you're not You're not keeping Questenberry. No. So that's where I would disagree. I would think, I think, so I think they keep ten. I'm looking at, okay. I'm, I have my own, but I'm looking at Perino's right now just to have all the, the reference. Yeah, yeah, just have all the players in my head. So Perino had them keeping nine. I think Perino wrote this uh, before I start bashing, but no, I'm joking. <laughs> he wrote this, yeah. Uh, so he kept nine. I think I agree with his nine. I'd throw Alec Anderson at 10. So my 10 would be Deion Dawkins, Spencer Brown, Ryan Vandermark, David Questenberry, Mitch Morse, McGovern, Torrance, David Edwards, Ryan Bates, and then Alec Anderson at 10. I I don't think they keep Ike Bucker. I know people liked Ike Bucker in the past. I do think you can get him on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get a Richard Garage on the practice squad, in my opinion. Okay. I I think they like the veteran presence of David Questenberry. Okay. I'm not that's saying fair. that's the right move, but right. I'm trying to think of what the Bills would do. Nick Broker's kind of annoying because he's a day three pick. He's one of those guys. You want those guys to make the roster, but then at the end of the day, if Vandermark makes the roster and Broker doesn't, doesn't really matter. Kevin Jarvis and they already cut Garrick uh, McGinn. Say yesterday they cut him, but yep. I do think Alec Anderson's that tenth guy. I do. That's where it's. I think so. You're you're going a little different. I feel like most people would go where I'm going, and yeah, either go back to nine and get rid of Alec Anderson, and right. definitely and get rid of Richard Garage. But you went to ten and kept Garage, and got rid of Questenberry. I hope no, none of this matters. 
that they add another guy in. So it doesn't matter. We're not t- talking about David Questerberry having to make this roster. Right. They add a veteran swing tackle. But I like Alec Anderson's versatility. They love versatility. Yes. And they right love here, versatility. And John Robert here in the comments, I don't like Questenberry. Like, he's just a guy, like, dude, I've seen. I, I've no, seen him. Not he's not good. No. But there's not a lot of good. Like, the depth offensive linemen don't exist, really. Right. Right. Unless yeah. you find a, a sleeper day three that no one knows about and he flourishes. But, like, I don't know. I think it's 10. I think you have to keep 10. I'm Let's go D line. Let, let's go D-line. Let's okay. go D-line. Um, so I'm going to go again. I'll start. I, obviously, Rousseau, Ed, Daquan, Vaughn, Epinesa, Leonard Floyd, Tim Settle. Now, this is where it gets tough because, like, okay, so I, I haven't named these players yet. I think Boogie Basham is also a lock, so I'll put him in there. So that's yeah. that's seven. Or that's eight, sorry. So Boogie, AJ, Tim Settle, Leonard Floyd. Puna Ford's a lock, too, so that's nine. So do they keep ten? Do they keep one of Eli Anku, Shaq Lawson? And Jordan Phillips. It's kind of three guys, one spot. Like I don't. It's hard because I I can't see them. Like I, it would be so surprising to for them to cut like Phillips and Shaq just because of what they bring to the team. I think the leadership. I think they really have enjoyed those guys being on that roster. They played their best football on the Buffalo Bills roster, no question. So. Peter, if that were you, say that those are the nine locks. I'm not even going to give you – I'm just going to ask you a hypothetical straight-up question right now you have to answer. That, that's the nine right there is Puna Ford, Tim Settle, A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham, uh, Ed Oliver, Rousseau, um, Von Miller, if he if he makes the active – if he's not on PUP, Daquan Jones, um, and then Leonard Floyd. If, if those are the nine, if Von Miller makes it, and that's the nine. Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson, or Eli Anku, who you keep it? Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson, or Eli Anku. Yes. Kingsley you- Jonathan. <laughs> Kingsley Jonathan. Uh, Shaq Lawson. Okay. I don't think Jordan Phillips makes this roster. Okay. I don't think Eli Anku's in that. Uh, He's practice squad. He's practice yeah, squad. Yeah. I, I don't think Jordan Phillips makes this roster. I'm looking at Perino's right now. Just for reference, he has Kingsley yeah. Jonathan making the roster. He has so right, but he put Von Miller on the pup. Right, so that so opened up a spot. He keeps ten. So when he, when you hear his ten, he cut his ten is so he cuts, not cuts. He puts Von Miller on pup, so it opens up a spot. But he kept nine offensive linemen, and we kept ten. Okay, so we have to keep nine offensive linemen for playing kind of that kind of game. Right, right, right. We kept Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, and Kingsley Jonathan. Then he kept Ed Oliver. Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, and Puna Ford. That's 10. With Von Miller on the pup. If we're putting Von Miller not on the pup, I think we have to keep nine. Right. And you just substitute Von for Kingsley. Kingsley off the roster and Jordan Phillips off the roster. Interesting. Interesting stuff. I like it. I think it's a great conversation to have. I would. Would you keep Kingsley Jonathan over Shaq Lawson? Oh, my God, man. It's like. I I don't know if the Bills would. Would I? I'm not even sure if I would. I, I know he's had a couple good pass rush moves. I know he had one against the Bears. I, he almost got to the quarterback and got home. I like what I've seen from him, mm-hmm. but I still am going to lean Shaq Lawson just because of the fact that I think he sets the edge in the run game. I think he's a, a guy when you have a rotation – when you want a rot- rotational third defensive end or fourth defensive end or whatever, he, he would be fifth defensive end. 
he's a guy that you can count on and he's kind of that guy that's been there. I think he, again, he brings, and he also brings that energy. Like I think he's a guy that, that gets the team going. I think players like him. Um, he's, he's always in the middle of like scuffles. Like if, if there's a scuffle going on, Shaq Lawson is the first dude like running at it, like break it up or like trying to get involved. So I like what he brings that. Um, but I would, I would lean Shaq just because of his presence and Kingsley Jonathan not making the roster. But Hey, if Kingsley Jonathan makes the roster, I would be surprised, but I think I do like what he brings, and I think he's a young guy that has great speed to power, and he's continued to kind of improve that in his career. It's it, yeah, it's interesting. I I don't know, and like Jordan Phillips is also that type of guy that brings the energy, brings the locker room presence, a veteran guy. But how many roster spots can you keep with those type of guys without without not trying to ma- try to maximize talent or production? And minus injury with Jordan Phillips, I don't know Kingsley Jonathan cutting. Keeping 10, and then obviously you obviously cut Kingsley Jonathan when he gets – when Bob Miller comes back. I feel like that would be the move. I don't know. I'm, I don't – I do, do think, think they keep nine, though. I think they keep nine. If we think 10 offensive linemen. Do you think Vaughn makes the – do you think he's on the PUP to start the year? They're pushing it. Like, they're, they're waiting to the last minute. Does that mean it's more of a chance he makes – is on the 53, if that's what that means? The problem is, but like if he was already going to be on pop, why wouldn't he just be? Or it's just basically just a roster decision, to like trying to like roster balance it. I guess this he hasn't played, he hasn't practiced. Or we're two weeks out. Are we, we saying Bob Miller should be ready for week one, or do they think he's ready for week two? That's what I'm thinking, Peter. And they want to make him healthy and active. You want to do that, then he's not going on pop. If they don't want to make him miss basically the whole whole the all September four games, but are they okay with having Von Miller after four games where they think it's the best and they can trust this defensive line? You brought in Leonard Floyd for a reason. So, yeah, I, don't know. I didn't give you an answer. I'm like, I, I didn't give you an answer. I kind of floated around that question. <laughs> I didn't give you an answer. I have no idea. It's it's one of those things like people. I feel like people that tell you they know they don't know. It's just one of those things where, look, if I had to like, place all my money in one spot, he probably goes on pop. That's yeah, I'm like 80-20. I'm holding out hope he plays week one. <laughs> I think it's more hope than me using like my, my brain. Yeah, I'm like 80-20 pop for Vaughn. I, I think there's an 80% chance he does you know, go on the pop, but there's that 20% part of me that, like, okay, the dude's a freak of nature. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's – returned from an ACL early in his career very fast. I know it's 10 years later or whatever it is, almost 10 years later, and bodies change and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. if Vaughn can get back out there, that'd be great. I think it's more of like a, a week five, week six return, probably more likely week six. I think a giant Sunday night football at home would be kind of cool to, to see yeah. him return uh, that week. But, um, Peter, uh, it's been a really fun show. We yeah. kind of went through the uh, offensive line, defensive line, uh, you know, the CB2 battle. I think Torrance has kind of locked up that right guard battle, so not too much to say there. No. And then, um, you know, just the Bills-Bears recap, what we thought from the players in the field during that game, just a couple of names. We talked about Gabe Davis, Quentin Morris, um, and, and a couple others. So, Peter, thanks for having me on. Plug what you do. Plug, what's, plug what you got going on, where, where you can find you on Twitter, uh, you know, every social media platform if you'd like, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, AJ, I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun talking Bills. But, yeah, you guys can follow me at DBIC Peter. It's right on the screen. But if you want to listen to audio, DBIC Peter on Twitter. Uh and then, yeah, my sh- I, I work for Built in Buffalo. I host my show with uh, Lance Nelson Tuesday night, 
8 p.m. Eastern on either the Built in Buffalo Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter network, and then obviously you can listen to the audio. So, yeah, do that as well. So, yeah, Built in Buffalo, 8 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. Okay, we're gonna we're, before we go, we're gonna do the safety stuff. Rick Collins is like, no, no comments on the safety battle. So let's look at the safeties real quick. Taylor Rapp lock, Jordan Poyer lock, Micah Hyde lock, Damar Hamlin lock. Do, do they, they go, do they go Saran Neal to Saran Neal? I mean, Saran Neal's probably, I'm not gonna say he's a 100% lock, but so is, go ahead. I know I've been using Perino's article, but it's a good point of reference, and he's obviously a little more in tapped with what the Bills are doing than. You and I, even though we both do a great job, he has Saran Neal as the sixth cornerback making the roster. And then he has five safeties, that fifth safety being Cam Lewis. That's, I mean, look, I would not be surprised. They love Cam Lewis. Now, I think he may be a practice squad candidate, but I also think he might get poached because I think he's shown things and people have noticed. He's kind of like not making a name for himself, but I think he has made some plays in multiple multiple, uh, preseason games and some NFL action. I wouldn't be shocked if Cam Lewis makes the roster. And and Kevin Masseri from Cover One kind of brought up maybe they're going to keep Cam Lewis and get rid of uh, Saran Neal just because Cam Lewis can kind of play that Saran Neal uh, position, like in special teams and stuff like that. But I don't know if Cam Lewis is ready for that. And it, it saves money because Saran Neal would save like $3.3 million or something like that. I think Saran Neal's a lock. I don't think he's going to. They anywhere. love Saran Neal. Yeah, they love Saran Neal. He, do, he does it all, he can play every position. And they love special teams, and he's incredible at special teams. Like you said, he can play safety, he can play inside uh, slot corner. But 11 yeah. guys there, we're talking about corners and safeties, and they would cut like a Dean Marlowe, J- Jared Maiden, Zane Anderson. They actually brought Zane Anderson early in on the free agency process. What was he like? Uh, was he like a March, eight, March, April signing? Yeah, like an early March, April. It was one of those weird ones where it was like, there you go, maybe this guy is something. Not, but, and then obviously, you know what's a tough cut? They have here, uh, Perino has in the corners and makes sense. And hopefully, we can get him back on the practice squad. Jamarcus Ingram, yeah. I think Jamarcus Ingram has played pretty well. It's just for the sake of that guy trying to make a roster spot, he's probably playing on the one of the wor- hardest positions in the league to make a roster spot right now. When people are talking about trying to trade Kyrie Elam, they're how's Jamarcus Ingram supposed to make the roster? So, he's a guy you want back on practice squad, in my opinion. Yeah, so the safety battle for me again, like. I'm not really like D. Marlowe, I think's gone. I think Sandy Anderson's gone. Cam Lewis, does he sneak in? Is he that guy? Is he able to play multiple positions? He's the know. one like interesting topic. I don't think it's that interesting the safety topic conversation. I think it's pretty like straightforward. Right, right. All right, guys. Well, all 22 of you in here, thank you for tuning in. Uh, it's been a fun show. And look, tomorrow's going to be fun. Make sure to stay updated to my Twitter at AJ Sabalski. It's going to be a fun day in terms of just NFL news, stuff like that. Uh, and we'll see what the Bills do if they make any moves for a, a veteran tackle on the trade marker or in, uh, in through the waivers or a middle linebacker, two of the biggest positional needs. If you're listening on audio again, please you know like that audio video and, and be sure to Keep on listening because, I again, I greatly appreciate the audio listens. And then for all of you that joined live today, again, I greatly appreciate it. Roy, John, uh, my dad, Ch- Chappie, uh, Jessica, all of you guys, thank you consistently for coming in, bringing some comments, bringing some hot takes. And uh, I will see you next week, one week away from Monday Night Football at 7 o'clock. And in two weeks, catch me on at 7 o'clock. Bill's Jets are going on at 8.15. I'm going to do like a little 35, 40-minute episode. So that will be very fun. Christopher, thank you for coming on. Uh, It's your host, Idris Balski, with his guest, Peter DiBiase. And we will see you next time.